Hi friends, it's AJ. Don't worry, Sherry is here too. We are bringing you a very special episode this week. As you know, February is Women's Heart Health Awareness Month, and the American Heart Association all across the country is running their Go Rad for Women's Heart Health campaign. The American Heart Association is very dear to our hearts. My father is a sudden cardiac arrest and congestive heart failure survivor. His broken heart saved mine. I became the very survivor I was advocating for on October 22nd, 2009. I had a stroke at just 26 years old. That's right, I was 26 years old when my birth control almost killed me and I love educating women and sharing my story so maybe just maybe I can prevent someone from experiencing my worst day possible so go ahead grab your beverage pull up a chair it's story time with AJ On October 22nd, 2009, I became the very survivor that I was advocating for. My family has been involved with the American Heart Association for as long as I can remember. My cousin Emma was the first infant in the state of Minnesota to receive a heart transplant. Sadly, she passed away at the age of three, not due to complications from her heart transplant, but actually the common cold. In 2002, I went off to college and my dad almost died on me. I got a phone call letting me know that he was being transported to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and that things were not looking good. He suffered a sudden cardiac arrest and had congestive heart failure, and his heart was in V-fib. His survival score was literally zero. Yet somehow, by the grace of God, the Mayo Clinic and their research, he walked out two weeks later, and he's been walking ever since. His heart saved mine, because if it weren't for my dad, I wouldn't have started volunteering again with the American Heart Association Twin Ports chapter when I was in college. There, I learned the signs and symptoms of stroke and heart attack in women. Those signs and symptoms saved my life. On October 22nd, 2009, I woke up as a healthy 26-year-old woman. By that afternoon, I was fighting for my life. That morning, I was driving in rush hour traffic when my chest started randomly hurting. At first, I didn't think anything of it at all. I was like, I'll just get to work, drink some water, take some Tylenol, I'll be fine. As the minutes ticked by, the pain started getting worse and worse and worse. I thought about calling my mom and I was like, no, I can't call her because she's going to panic and that's going to make me panic. And I didn't want to pull over on the side of the road because I have a fear of being stuck on the freeway because like cars get hit on the side of the freeway. So I saw the Lexington Lexington Parkway exit and I took it. I drove by a ton of hospitals. And to this day, I cannot tell you how I got from St. Paul to Woodwinds Health Campus in Woodbury. All I remember is throwing my car in park, not even taking the keys out, and walking as fast as I possibly could towards the emergency room doors where a security guard had gotten up from his desk, reached his arm out, and the next thing I know, I'm waking up to a male nurse telling me, 
you can either help me take your clothes off or I'm going to cut them off. I told him that I would help him because they're new and clothes are expensive. I didn't want him cutting my clothes off. The doctor came in and told me that they ruled out a heart attack, but something was still going on. He thought it was most likely like pneumonia or bronchitis. He told me it was probably nothing. But on a whim, he turned back into my room and asked, are you on a birth control by chance? And I said, yes, I'm on the Nuvering. Why? And he explained to me that he wanted to order one more test and it was called a D-dimer. And that D-dimer would let them know my clotting factor and if I had a blood clot somewhere in my body. He said, because I was young, it's most, it's probably going to come back negative. For as long as I live, I'll never forget what that D-dimer came back as. It came back as 7.8, in which he proceeded to explain, as my bed is being wheeled to the CT scanner, that I needed a CT scan. And if the dye could possibly kill me, I could possibly die from a blood clot. And I just looked at them and was like, I could die either way, right? And they were like, yep. So I signed my name. And I'll never forget it. That CT scanner had a big sticker on the outside to make it look like a donut. And it had Bart Simpson, a Bart Simpson sticker in the tube. So it was a friendly CT scanner. I was like, well, there's Bart Simpson. They told me it would be about anywhere from one to two and a half hours for the radiologist to read my results. I should state I was by myself in the emergency room. The hospital staff desperately tried to reach my then husband, Scott, at the time, but he was too busy with someone else and he had his phone off. So there I was just sitting there watching the minutes tick by on the clock and that clock was so absurdly loud. I don't know why emergency room clocks are loud, but that thing was so absurdly loud. About 30 minutes go by and I hear the phone ring outside of my emergency room, outside of my room in the emergency room. There was a desk and I hear the doctor very loudly go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, oh shit, you gotta be kidding me. And then the next thing I know, they they have these walkie-talkies that they're wearing. I hear Code Blue, Code Blue, Emergency Bay 4. And I thought to myself, wow, that person's having a really terrible day. I feel so bad for them. And I'm looking around my room and I notice a whiteboard. And I'm reading the whiteboard. Emergency room 4. Emergency, whoa, that's for me. And I could just hear this herd of footsteps running down the hallway into my room. People just went into action, barely explaining anything to me. The doctor said to me, while this flurry is going around me, Amanda Jean, you have a blood clot in your lung. It is in the valve that connects your left lung to your heart. And it is the size of a 10 cent gumball. It is blocking the blood flow from going to your heart my left lung basically exploded. The lung sacs exploded. I had some tissue death. At this time, my oxygen level was below 50%, which is when um, organ damage starts. And they explained to me that they were going to give me clot busters and heparin and that I was going to be staying in the hospital for a while. The nurse, she was giving me some pain medication and asking me questions. And all of a sudden, like the words were happening in my head, but they were not coming out of my mouth. And I hear all of these alarms go off around me. And I just felt really dizzy. And like I sunk back into the bed and I hear, oh, like everything. And she's like, she's having a stroke. Look at her blood pressure. Part of that clot broke off and went to my brain. And on that day, I learned that if you're going to have a stroke, the emergency room is the best place to do it. It truly is. I was given the TPA and the effects of my stroke were reversed. I have no physical, mental, 
impairments from my stroke, I got to walk away where so many people do not. It is not the norm. My outcome is sadly not the norm in this country. And the doctor, he walked with me after they got me stable. He walked with the bed to the elevator bay to send me up to my hospital room. And he said to me, I want you to remember for as long as you live, you should not be going through this elevator today. You should be going down that hall. And he pointed to the left. And I was, what's down that hall? The morgue. I do not know how you survived. I do not know how you are alive. But I just hope you realize that you should be in that morgue right now. Five days before my 27th birthday, I almost died. And on my 27th birthday, I got the greatest gift anyone can ever be given. And that is a second chance at life. I made the decision right then and there in Woodwinds Health Campus that I wasn't going to be angry or sad or bitter or mourn the life that I lost. Instead, I was going to walk boldly into survivorhood. I was going to make a difference. I was going to use my second chance at life to make a difference. And so I did. And make a difference, I did. Shortly after I got out of the hospital, I contacted the American Heart Association and started doing things behind the scenes, like emailing my state representatives about the different issues that the American Heart Association was supporting that year. And then I met with a lovely lady named Anne who pulled me from the shadows in out front and center where I got to lobby at our state capitol and also was invited to several trips in Washington, D.C. One of the things that I'm most proud of is that I got to work on the Minnesota Stroke Systems of Care, which is a network of hospitals that can support a person who has a stroke. If you live in rural Minnesota and your local hospital does not have a CT scanner, the medications, a neurologist, a cardiologist, or any type of doctor that can handle a stroke, the ambulance gets a green light to bypass them or they can go ahead and order you a hella flight to get you to a stroke center of care. So that way more people in the state of Minnesota can have an outcome like I did. Again, I have no physical or mental impairments from my stroke and I truly wish that this was the norm, but sadly it's not. But with the stroke systems of care, we are getting there. We're getting to a point where we are seeing better outcomes in stroke patients, and that makes me so happy. Secondly, it's I got to do this a few years ago, and it still hasn't sunk in fully that I actually got an invitation from the Nancy Pelosi to come out to Washington, D.C. on official business to give a speech about why the Affordable Health Care Act is so important on the steps of the United States Capitol building. It happened. There's video. It was on C-SPAN. There are pictures. And just looking at it is kind of like an out-of-body experience. I cannot believe that I got to do that. And it was so special for me to go out to Washington, D.C. and speak to lawmakers and tell them why the Affordable Health Care Act is so important. Because sadly, I know what it's like to go without insurance, and that is a completely sucky situation you don't want to be in. I went from being a healthy 26-year-old woman to a pre-existing condition in less than 24 hours. Yeah, and it was a really rude awakening out there, and how exactly insurance works and how expensive things are 
without insurance, I could not get insurance for a while. So working on helping raise awareness on why the Affordable Health Care Act was so important to me. And I'm so thankful that I got the opportunity that Speaker Pelosi invited me out to Washington, D.C., Besides You're the Cure, I also got to be a part of the Minnesota Go Rad for Women campaign in 2014-15. I got to be on a billboard. I wasn't wanted or missing, and that billboard was actually by Sherry's house. So every day when she came home from work, she saw my bright, shiny face up on a billboard. Pretty sure she probably wanted to punch me after a while, but you know, hey, it works. And I also got to be a part of a TV commercial, which was really odd. Because I remember standing in my kitchen and hearing my own voice coming from my TV. And I was like, what the hell? And my dog would sit there and whimper at the TV. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I made a TV commercial. And I also got to do a fashion show, which I'm extremely proud of myself. Because I did not trip in high heels. I was so nervous that I was going to trip. But Sherry was down there, like, giving me thumbs up. So was Jay and my parents. And I did not trip. Thank goodness. Um, I've also taken part in the Heart Walk that happens every year and the Go Red Health Expo at the Mall of America, again, raising awareness of the issues that the You're the Cure arm of the American Heart Association is working on that year. And I've also got to help with their CPR workshops as well. So on that day, 10 years ago now, actually almost 12 years ago now, it'll be 12 years this October, I made a decision to sit there and not be bitter, sad, or mourn the life that I lost. I wanted to make a difference. And I did just that. Each day that I get to wake up, see a sunrise and a sunset, I am thankful because I know that there are people out there who did not get the same outcome that I did. And I know that in order to survive a pulmonary embolism, four people have to lose their lives one out of five will survive a pulmonary embolism. And I know that any one of those ladies would take my seat at the table. So I live each day my life for those women. And speaking of women, I also got to, this was not with the Heart Association, but I got to lobby for stronger warning labels on the patient section of the printout that you receive with your hormonal contraceptives the patient warning label that tells you about blood clots and stroke. And I also was able to lobby, to help lobby for the NuvaRing to get a black box warning label, which means it's one of the most deadliest birth control prescriptions out there on the U.S. market. So yeah, ladies, if you are on the NuvaRing, definitely check out our blog and learn the signs and symptoms of blood clots because you never know, you could experience my worst day possible and I just pray to everything holy that you have the same outcome that I did and that you advocate for yourself. Do not do what I did. I drove myself to the ER. Huge mistake. Um, I actually saw my OBGYN one week before the day that this happened. And she told me to go home and drink water and walk more when I had the symptoms of a blood clot, of possible clot in my leg. Well, I went home. I walked more. I drank water. It didn't help me. I almost died. So definitely listen to your body. You are your best advocate. That is my largest takeaway in this entire thing is because my ordeal was 100% preventable. That's right. 100% preventable.
stuck. Sherry, are you still here? I hey, am. Where did you go? I'm oh, here. Good. I'm here. Sorry, yeah. I fell asleep for a little while. I've heard I that know, story so many so times. Many times. <laughs> but it's so inspirational each and every time you tell me it. How are you doing? Good. How are how are you? I'm I'm doing good. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm glad you finally brought me in because it's not just your podcast, but it's also mine. Although I understand that it's Heart Health Month and you of course want to get your story out. Takes so, over our lives. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> let's talk about friendship for a little bit because this is a podcast about friendship, which is important. I know when all of this was going on with you, I was training for a new job in St. Louis. I had to go down to St. Louis for the training and then come back to Minnesota. Um, so I wasn't physically there for you, but I'd like to say that I was emotionally there for you. I think we had been friends for about two years and we we're pretty good friends. I think we texted fairly regularly and hung out every once in a while. Yes. We had gone to the bar a few times, I'm sure. Um, and then of course we had our mutual friend, Lisa, who was there for you physically as well as emotionally. Um, I think she helped take care of you for a little while as well. She did. Yeah. Since your husband maybe wasn't the, the best person. No, he was your ex-husband, ex-husband, I should say. Um, <laughs> yeah, my ex-husband, we'll say my ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. And I will say being your friend, I don't think I fully understood the impact of your, that your stroke had on you. Like when you're, you know, hundreds of miles away, it's hard to really understand without being there. Um, but I think as we've gone through the years, and of course you've told me that story so many times, I've definitely understood more of the impact that it had on you. Um, and there are certain things that we can and cannot do. I don't expect you to run a mile. I don't plan on running at all anytime soon either. So we have that in common. I'm and not then, running unless somebody chases me. <laughs> right. Unless it's a medic, an emergency, an absolute Probably emergency. not even that. Yeah. If I'm being chased, then I'll run. I know. That's why I go hiking with you. Because if there were ever a bear... <laughs> I think I could maybe have food. Yes. Yeah. I'm the food you run. I'll take the bullet. Yes. Yep. That's right. We love to go camping and hiking. Um, so we have to be careful about what we do and the trails we take. We're not going to take the most extreme trail. We're not going to be climbing any mountains. Um, and then I remember when we went on our cruise and I wanted to go snorkeling because I'd never gone snorkeling before you were like, yeah, let's do it. But you were like, I'm not going to like swim out in the middle of the ocean and go snorkeling. Like, I'm just going to hang out by the shore and let you do your thing. Um, but of course I didn't go very far either. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. And I still, they went way the heck out there. We couldn't they see them. Did. They did. I would have been terrified being all the way out there. I'm sure they saw some great things, but. But we did I too. Was, Remember those yeah. little fish swimming in between our legs. Yep. That was fine by me. That was good enough. I didn't need the full experience. I just wanted a little taste of it. When and you're standing on those boulders in the water. Yes. And those, like the, the, what are those things? What are the things you put on your feet called? Flippers? Flippers. Yeah. yeah. No, no thanks to the flippers. They did not do anything for me. They just made me feel really unbalanced. Um, so I do have some questions for you. Okay. Um, just to have our audience understand a little bit more about what you went through and how you still live your life today. Um, so what do you think has changed 
for you the most since your stroke? Uh, change the most is I have decided to live life to the fullest. I try to do everything I can. I do not let the small things bother me. I try to stay even keel positive because it's not worth getting angry, upset, or sad over something. Cause those are minutes you could lose in your life when you could be doing something fun. Absolutely. I agree. Um, how about advocating for yourself? Because that's something that you talked about. What advice would you give someone who needs to advocate for themselves or who maybe wants that second opinion from a medical provider, but feels a little unsure? What would you suggest? Never be afraid to ask for a second, third, fourth, heck, even a fifth opinion if you have to. Nobody knows your body better than you do. And even though they're doctors and nurses, they don't live in your body. They don't know your every day. They don't know what you would consider your baseline. So if something doesn't feel right, if something is hindering you from living your everyday life, or you just have this nagging feeling, fight for yourself and get that second opinion. I truly wish I had done that, but I didn't. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, another thing before going to any appointments, no matter what is wrong with you, I think preparing for your appointments, having those questions ready to go as well are really important. Um, maybe bringing a friend or a family member with you to help advocate for you if you feel unsure. Um, And if you don't understand something, asking for clarification or any printed material as well. And then of course, understanding what your next steps are. I think those are things, anytime you go to the doctor, things, you know, like you had, you had some leg swelling going on and you weren't really sure what it was. And of course, most people are like, oh, you're just holding water, whatever. Um, But taking those steps to make sure that you are fully prepared. Um, when you go into that, to that, um, clinic appointment. Another thing too, is I think a lot of people don't realize they can request their own medical records at any time. And it's good to know what is in your file because that's what doctors are seeing. That's what they're basing their opinions on. And as long as you know, what's in that file, you can advocate that information back. If you meet a new doctor, you can be like, Hey, this is what happened on X, Y, Z day. This is what they did. It didn't work for me. Can we do something different? Yeah, good. Um, what supports did you feel helped you get through your stroke and everything that happened after that? You. Yay. <laughs> you, definitely you. You treated me just like I was a normal person. You didn't like put kid gloves on and be like, oh, she's breakable. I can't go do things with her. No, we still went out to the bars. We still do. We go hiking. We just, our hikes look a little bit different now. We go camping and just treating someone like they're normal, which I've gotten rid of friends over the years, as you know, and the friends that I do have in my life just treat me like a normal person. And they're not like, oh, hey, yeah, you had a stroke. You can't do X, Y, Z. No, I'm going to try to do it. Even if I'm going to fail at trying to climb a mountain, I'm going to try. Yeah, I'm not I'll just be at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I'll be at the bottom waiting on the back. You'll climb like, a little bit. I'll be like, okay. I tried. Yeah. It work out. I'll be down of here course. where there's snacks. And of course, my family, my parents have been very wonderful during this time, especially since my dad going through a congestive heart failure and a sudden cardiac arrest. He's been my rock and just 
reminds me of you got to keep the faith you can keep on going you can do this yeah did you ever go it to was like, overwhelming right did you ever go to any support groups or anything I did um the American Heart Association has kind of like a buddy program where they can partner you with someone who's gone something gone through something similar and of course at the time that I had my stroke I was 27 so they partnered me with like somebody in their 60s because there wasn't a lot of young oh, wow. women yeah with that so I was like you know what I'm going to change this and I created a group here in the Twin Cities which is called Twin Cities Heart Sisters and oh, we get cool. together every now and then and share our stories I'm the only stroke person but we have everyone from heart transplant to people that have had sudden cardiac arrests and survived heart attacks that's awesome together. just support each other yeah that's important I think for to meet people that have gone through the same thing you have gone through too. I think there's a real connection that can be made there um, to help with that healing process. And sometimes it's hard for me to meet people that have gone through the same thing that I did because like when I talked about those clot busters, you have a very small window to get that medication mm -hmm. into your system to reverse your uh, I don't know, side effects of stroke. Mm -hmm. So I meet a lot of people who are my age but they're in wheelchairs or their speech is slurred or they walk with a, what do you call it? A droop or something in your foot. Mm -hmm. It drags like one of them doesn't walk right. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's hard and they see me and it's hard for them as well. Like, wow, why couldn't I have that outcome? And I just look at them and I'm like, I'm so thankful that I had staff that acted as quickly as they did because yeah. I know that that very well could have been my outcome because sadly my outcome is not the norm in this country. It should be, but it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'm gonna bring it back up because I think it's important. Um, after your stroke, you really changed your life and realized, realized you wanted so much more. How did your perspective change on life? Because I know from the moment you were in the hospital, probably, six months later I think you were filing for a divorce I was I surviving that gave me the strength that I needed to start putting the pieces of my life that I wanted together that I wanted together and as I spoke about my ex-husband Scott was not there at the hospital he kind of did a little bit during the recovery but he still lived his man whoring life and I was like you know what I don't want that I do not have time for that it's not something I want to deal with. I don't need that extra stress. I don't need that anxiety. And that's what I did with my life. I survived my stroke and pulmonary embolism and then got divorced six months later, probably about nine months later, I would say. But yeah, maybe it was more like, oh yeah, because that's right, because it happened in October. And I got a divorce in June. Yeah. I think it was official July 4th though, wasn't it? Is when I, I filed. It was, like, it was July 4th. Oh, July 4th. Okay. I was like, because it was Independence Day. Yep. And I think I we celebrated that. <laughs> we did. I filed on July 4th, but, <clears throat> and, and that's how I am with friendships. And even sometimes you see things online, I'll be like, you know what? It's not even worth it. It's not worth the, the anxiety and the stress that somebody may cause you. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was an awakening moment for me and made me realize that I was doing things in my life that I shouldn't be doing. And it's, yeah, it is a rude awakening when you you're like, wow, I, I definitely could have been dead. I should have been dead, but here I am. And it's, will be 12 years this October. 
Yeah. I think you began living for yourself versus for other people and trying to make other people happy. That is true. I was an extreme people pleaser. Yeah. Um, my last question, uh, I think is just as important as the other ones. What was it like standing next to that bad bitch, Nancy Pelosi? She is amazing. She is the tiniest woman in real oh. life. She is short and she is just so tiny, but she was the sweetest woman ever. She was so sweet to me at the moment I came to her office. Like she didn't care about the other people in her office. All she cared about was me that day. Like, do you, do you need some water? Do you want some tea? Oh. Are you going to be warm enough? That's so she sweet. She was just so excited that I came and I still have the letter. She wrote me a handwritten thank you letter that I have. I mean, I've been meaning to have it framed, but I'm lazy. So it's been tucked yes. away in a cabinet. How many years has it been? 2015. I got to do that. So oh my it's been, gosh. Oh, wow. It's been a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. You need to frame that thing. She made sure I was taking care of that day. I got a private tour of the Capitol building. So she made sure I got oh, that. So jealous. She's just the sweetest person. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, AJ. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Anything else you want to add in? Uh, check out our blog, uh, maybe swearinghelps.com for more information on the signs and symptoms of blood clots, stroke, and heart disease in women. Awesome. Okay. Don't hit stop just yet. Hey friends, it's AJ. You thought I was done. <laughs> Joke's on you. I tricked you. You're probably wondering, how can I make a difference? I want to make a difference. I want to help ensure a healthy tomorrow for myself, for my daughter, my son, my husband, my best friend, my worst enemy, or just the people in my community. Never fear, friends. I have the perfect opportunity for you. During the month of February, the American Heart Association is running a fundraising campaign called Leaders for Life. And yours truly is one of those leaders. And I am happy to be raising funds for such an amazing organization that believes in research and community outreach. Those are the keys for our healthy tomorrow. Go on over to our website, maybe swearinghelps.com and look for the Leaders for Life blog post. At the bottom of the post, you can click the link that will bring you to our donation page. Don't worry, no donation is too small. All dollars will go towards research and community outreach to help ensure a healthy tomorrow for all of us. I thank you from the bottom of my surviving heart. As you know, I am a stroke survivor. And if it were not for the American Heart Association's research, I would not be alive today. So thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to make a difference. And again, that is maybeswearinghelps.com leaders for life blog post. Have a good week, friends.